Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to over 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut to try it for free today. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. We go live to Aaron, Wisconsin. That's right. Kyle Porter, the namesake of the podcast, senior golf writer here at CBS Sports. Um, Kyle, you are there. You have arrived. Are there thunderstorms right now as we are recording here on Tuesday afternoon? They're not. I think Phil Mickelson is taking a nap yes! from his uh, from his from his daily rain dance. Uh, there, We literally, I literally pulled in five minutes ago. I'm at a house uh, that I'm renting with uh, Sean Martin and uh, Jonathan Wall, two gentlemen of the uh, PJTour.com. Sean and, Martin, great uh, follow by the way on Twitter. Yeah, they're they're both great. Uh, great dudes, uh, great follows, all of the above. Um, but uh, when we pulled in, there was there was rain on the vehicles here. So uh, it, it had clearly been raining. Rory and DJ, uh, rumor has it, were celebrating the rain, uh, making a uh, over seventy seven hundred yard course play more like eight thousand. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fired up for the U.S. Open. I'm actually sitting in in Jay Wall's room. He doesn't even know that I'm here yet, and uh, we're, I'm taping this from his room. So that's. Uh, kind of creepy, but uh, hey, no, thanks, fun. Jonathan. I we we, pre- <laughs> we appreciate your contributions to the first cut podcast. Well, we got all right. We got to start right there because um, the you called Phil being a thing on this podcast one week yeah. ago. You know, you I felt like you were really ahead of it. You're like, you know what? I I I don't think this is as cut and dry as people are making it out to be. And sure enough, like I. I was with you because I just thought they would figure out something to make it happen and it would be dramatic. I figured we were we had the flair guaranteed, but this is even better because it's not like the schedule got changed. It's that we're waiting on Mother Nature, Kyle. Mother Nature gets to decide if Phil's going to play. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I ultimately thought that uh, the school that his daughter Amanda goes to would change uh, the graduation time or date or something and uh, obviously they're not going to we're taping this on tuesday afternoon they're not going to do it um but he did leave the door open i, I think the funniest part of, out of all this chip is that he's sending bones to aaron hills to walk bones the is, course bones bones is tending the first tee if you will uh because phil is going to try to get up in the air uh, right, right around uh, when his tea time uh, is on on Thursday, and uh, Bones will be waiting for him if there's any kind of delay. And it, you know, I was looking at it. it, it if this would have been last year, Oakmont 2016, Phil would Phil would have played because he didn't hit a single shot on Thursday. He had an afternoon tea time. Then uh, there was rain. It, it, I think there were. I, I was there. I think there were two or three rain delays on Thursday, and and it basically washed out the entire day. And they didn't really fully start the tournament until Friday. Right. The and second, what, the all the afternoon tea times for the most part got pushed back, right? And so that's what he needs again. And if that happens, I mean, I, I was listening to Shane Bacon on on his podcast talk about this. This would be the ultimate Phil story, right? Like yeah. The book into the '99 U.S. Open where he had the beeper, same daughter that that was about to be born. It, it would just be, you know, his family flying in on Sunday or whenever they would get here. I mean, it it would be just the I think the sports story of the year. 
Um, but you know, it's, it's literally up in the air, whether or not it's going to happen. Now there is some pushback. I'm cause I, I like, uh, Phil Mickelson. I like this sort of iteration that we've gotten to with Phil Mickelson. Um, you know, just sort of taking him as a hall of famer, you know, multiple major winner. And now at this point in his career where the actual golf, it's kind of hard to string together, uh, four great rounds, but he's able to hang around like to get the story the juice, because if he does play, he's firing a 66, right? <laughs> like, like coming in, well, coming in cold with no practice rounds or anything else. Like, like the juice and the momentum, like there, there is, it is there's zero way as a, a professional golfer that you're going to be disinterested or able to let your mind wander if you pull this off. Right. Like it's well, like, it is that kind of momentum factor here. Yeah. And here's the, yeah. And, and he would be playing with, with house money, which we know Phil loves to play with. <laughs> but, um, it, the, the thing about it is this course, I know we're going to talk about the course in a little bit, but this is another thing that uh, Bacon was talking to, to Paul Azinger about it. And, you know, I saw Rory was talking about it today. The fairways are really, really, really wide. Like they're like 50 and 60 yards wide in some areas. And, that plays to Phil's advantage. It's a long course, which doesn't necessarily play to his advantage, but he's not, he's not going to be super penalized because it's, because it's long. And then the other thing, and, and the way that I've sort of referenced this course, it's kind of like a, it's kind of a Scottish American hybrid. It, it looks like Scotland, but it plays, um, you know, around the greens, like an American course, like a, almost like a, uh, like an Augusta or like, um, uh, e- Eagle Point is that, that's where they had the Wells Fargo this year. Yeah, Eagle Point down at Wilmington, kind of like that. It looks like that around the greens. The greens are pure. There's these there's these really like tight collection areas where Phil is just uh, you know he's a maestro from from those areas. And so um, if he plays, man, I I don't know. Like we could get just an all time performance from him coming off of of what was a really good performance at Memphis last week. What was us? Uh, Speaking of Memphis, let's go ahead and get this in here because I do want to dedicate as much time to the U.S. Open as possible. Um, Daniel Berger, a player that we've talked about as uh, on this podcast, I think in in lightning terms, you know, we believe I believe him uh, to be one of those players that you can get excited about, and I think that you even said this in your grades, uh, just closed like a boss with a thirty three on the back nine, sixty six, sixty six on the weekend, and uh, and for he's. For like the the young lip in, just targeting it, just like firing at uh, at greens. Like I, I feel like he's been a really solid player for about you know six to eighteen months, and to to defend his title here has got to give him a little bit of juice going into U.S. Open week. Well, he said it afterwards. You know, he was being interviewed on on CBS by Amanda Balionis, and he said, I, "I get to play the rest of the year with a lot of freedom." You know, knowing that no matter what happens, I'm probably going to make it all the way to the Tour Championship at the and the FedEx Cup playoffs, and uh, just that second win. You know, you you won the first time, and and I think it could get in your head like oh, maybe that was a fluke, maybe I didn't, you know, whatever. Uh, but to do it twice, you know, within the span of of exactly twelve months, that, that's pretty impressive. And, and I think he's going to go. I think he's going to come to Aaron Hills with a ton of confidence. He finished in the top forty at Oakmont last year. I looked it up after after winning Memphis in two thousand sixteen. I, I think he's going to do at least that, if not better, this uh, this week at Aaron Hills. All right, we gotta we're going to do check in on a lot of golfers with our expectations over this episode and the next one. Do you think Daniel Berger makes the weekend at Aaron Hills? 
Yeah, I think he definitely does. I, I think Daniel Berger, I, I don't know when it'll happen. Uh, probably more like Thursday or Friday rather than Saturday or Sunday. I think he might flirt with the lead for a little while. Ooh. You know, and I, I don't think he's going to win it ultimately. I right. think he might finish like T19 or T17, you know, whatever. But um, no, there's a whole bucket of golfers that you look at like that, right? Yeah, like, who yeah. is there? Is there another one that comes to mind for you? Like, I would say that if we get uh, if we get a Shane Lowry in the lead for a hot second, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Shane Lowry, you know, four guys have finished in the top 10 each of the last two years. So you've got DJ, you've got Jason Day, who's been top 10 each of the last four, which is crazy. Um, You've got Brandon Grace, so Chambers Bay and Oakmont, he was top 10 at both. And then Shane Lowry was T8, I believe, at at Chambers Bay, and then T2 last year at Oakmont. So, um, you know, those types of guys who are doing it year after year. My my guy that I've really been – well, there are two guys that I've kind of been eyeing that I think will – uh, probably probably not win, but at least kind of mix it up a little bit and, and be around the lead. Uh, Brant Snedeker is one of them. Ooh. Um, yeah, he, he's played really well at U.S. Opens in, in recent years, which is kind of these, – these longer tracks, they don't favor him, but he's so good on the greens and he's so good around the greens that he can he can kind of make up for his lack of, of distance. And then the other one – uh, who's been top 10, uh, I believe, three times in the last five years, uh, is Jason Duffner. Coming off the Memorial win, he's an incredible ball striker. He he kind of putted himself out of it last year at Oakmont, but he had an awesome weekend in which I think he was like one or two strokes better than DJ on the weekend. Uh, and obviously DJ went on to win the tournament. Duffner, I think, finished it's like sixth or eighth. So he, he's another guy that, for me, I, I think will play really well this week. You had Duffner uh, in there. I mean, Dustin Johnson, who we'll get to in just a second, uh, one of the best U.S. Open over the last little bit. Duffner was a surprise name, and then you just referenced it right there. Like, why am I having trouble thinking that Jason Day, despite all of the statistical evidence, despite everything we know about him as one of the top golfers in the world, and the fact that, as you just pointed out and uh, wrote about, I think earlier this week, uh, but like has been one of the most consistent U.S. Open players. Why don't I believe in Jason Day winning this tournament? Well, because he hasn't had a very good year, you know, like I I think he only has maybe two top 10 so far this year. I say not a good year. It's not a good year for him. He's not played uh, as well as as we're used to. He's the number number three player in the world, right? I know. Well, but a lot of that is like juice from last year, winning the players and and winning uh, Bay Hill. And, you know, he's still riding a lot of that, uh, as is somebody like Rory McIlroy, who has not played. Well, he's just not well. played. He, yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't not played well. He's just not played at all. Um, so I, I don't know. A day, I just think over the course of seventy-two holes, the, the cream rises to the top by the end, and he is one of the I don't know five or six, seven best ball strikers in the world, and 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 has just a great ball flight for these types of courses. And and what I mean by that is he hits it so much higher than everybody else, and he's able to. Um, you know, if he, if he's got his distances, right, he's able to land it close to holes and he doesn't have to putt that well to, to win the tournament. So, um, I don't know. I, I think he's my, he's getting ahead of ourselves, but he's my lock for top 10 just cause he's done it four times in the last five years when only two other guys, DJ and uh, Duffner, I think ha- have even done it three. You know what I've, uh, I've taken from, I don't, I, I don't even know if I've taken it subconsciously. I don't even know if it's fair to give him credit, but, uh, you know how the camera always seems to capture his eyes bouncing from his target to the ball in flight? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I think I got that. I get that on the visualization where I'm like, I go out there. I played in, <laughs> played in a tournament on Saturday and I, I was going out there looking at approach shots, just catching my, my head, doing this little bounce back and forth. I was just like, man, next thing you know, I'm going to start sniffling and limping around here like Jason. So, <laughs> so your eyes are bouncing as your ball like you know, goes in the water and goes out of bounds. Oh, like dude, as well, you just talked about judging your distance. It's like I aim for this tree behind the green and then fire right into the tree, which means I've gone <laughs> way over the green. And I'm just in this like total like choose between find the ball or get poison ivy. Like, nah, bro, I'll take a stroke. Drop this. That's amazing. Um, all right. You were, this was uh, something else you touched on on the site wanted to get you to expand on it. We have not had a repeat winner in the U S open since Curtis strange did it. Um, and that's first of all, interesting to me because the, you know, the course changes every single year. So you, I would like try to maybe eliminate the idea that that means something. Um, so first, first part of the, the big question, why do you think that is that it has been so difficult, uh, for, to get a repeat winner for the U S open. And then also why, uh, or the argument for Dustin Johnson being able to break that streak. Yeah, you know the 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 repeating thing. It's just um, I I don't know why it is. You know I I I think it's interesting because nobody's even finished top five in that in that period of time. The closest we got was Tiger uh, winning winning back to back in two thousand nine when Lucas Glover won it. Uh, I believe that was at Bethpage. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just because I, I mean I guess just because it's so mentally difficult and mentally taxing. But you know the thing is like DJ's done it three years in a row. He's been in the top five the last three years. That's pretty crazy, you know. Including the win at at Oakmont, he did it at Pinehurst. He was fourth, obviously second, uh, infamously at, at Chambers. Yeah, Bay. And, and one you know one putt away from already breaking this to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. That's the thing. And like, so my piece on DJ this week was about how like he's, he's built to win us opens, which sounds a little bit absurd up front because you're like DJ, like mentally taxing, like that guy's, gonna, you know, like that guy's going to win multiple us opens. But the thing about him, him is like all these guys that win a us open, they have to overcome something. They have to overcome an emotion that they're going through or, maybe a mental block that they have. And you can watch it happen throughout the week. You watched it happen with Chambers Bay and, and Jordan Spieth. And, and it's just, it, it's such a, it, it's a, it's a mental grind as much as it is a physical. But with DJ, he, he's just not, he doesn't even like operate on the same plane as everybody else. He, he's over here where he's just like so good at staying in the moment and hitting the next shot because that's just how he thinks. Like yeah. he, that's just what he does, you know? And so there's not even really that much for, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not mentally tough. I'm just saying there's, I don't think there's as much for him to overcome as maybe somebody like a speed who's thinking about everything. Right. You know? Right. right. So, who's, who's taking a thousand things into consideration all at the same time. And even Phil, like, you know, Phil's like, you know, how many, you know, how many blades of grass are there under this, under this, uh, <laughs> this 36 yard wedge shot that I have. And, it's just there's so much more to overcome over the course of, of four rounds that I don't think DJ necessarily 
um, has to overcome. And not to mention the fact that he, his ball striking is just a joke. Like he, he might be, I wrote this, he might be the most mechanically gifted ball striker ever. That's not to say he's the best ball striker ever or the best golfer ever, but just the way that he swings, I've described it as as athletically arrogant. And um, just those mechanics, I mean, he's just so good. Is and, it like and, the Cam Newton of golf or something where you're just like, this isn't, this, this yeah, isn't normal. That's where I got that phrase, actually. Your your boy, uh, Bamani Jones, um, he described a, a, a throw. I think it was on a Monday night game that the Panthers were playing. And he described a throw that uh, that Cam Newton made to, I believe, Ted Ginn as athletically arrogant. And I was like, <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a cool description of what Cam Newton does and what uh, Bryce Harper does and yeah. what Dustin what Dustin Johnson does it, it's just athletically arrogant like nobody else can do it and it's not that that the, the person is arrogant it's just that the way that they do things uh, just by by their mechanics and and by nature is is very arrogant is there any reason uh, to be uh, at all alarmed not uh, all right so Dustin Johnson for the first time this year in the time period since withdrawing at Augusta, has had more rounds in the 70s than he has in the 60s. Uh, he's 78, 74, miscut at Memorial. Yeah. Um, is, like, the the finishes don't make it look uh, like anything's wrong. You know, you, you go in there, and so I feel like I'm really, really splitting hairs here with DJ, but is, I think because of that, I'm looking at the U.S. Open, and I'm thinking, man, if... If he's going to turn it on and and have that kind of season that we were predicting before he slipped in the garage, like this U.S. Open is going to be a great chance to turn those that sort of streak of like T thirteen, T four, you know, like just a, a he seemed you know just a few strokes off the pace in some of these tournaments, like one way or the other. I think that I really really want to have him here in the final couple groups on Sunday. Yeah, I think my thing with that is it's not necessarily. It, for me, it's always the guy that you're picking. Where's his swing at? And and if you look back at Memorial, even where he where he missed the cut badly, it wasn't his swing that was the issue. He 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 was like, I think last in the field in strokes gained putting. And so there there's I mean there's a qualifier here. Like my qualifier for winning the U.S. Open for DJ and and really for everybody is you can't you can't put yourself out of it. You don't have to be the best putter in the field. But you can't put yourself out of it. So if he puts like he did at Memorial, he's not going to win the US Open. But I I think that was an anomaly. He's been a pretty good putter so far this year. He was like 30th on tour until the Memorial, and now he's like 64th or something like that. So I'm I, I don't know. I, I I think those types of rounds and tournaments are more of a one-off for me than like, hey, the guy can't find his swing right now. I don't I don't think that's the issue, and so I'm I'm more willing to write that off as kind of a one-off thing. Like you're you're starting with a bucket of fantastic ball strikers and saying, uh, you know, whichever one of these unbelievable golfers is able to hold it together and not put themselves out of it, that's how you whittle down this field. Yeah, I think so. And and that's my and I I'm, you know, I'm like the the foremost uh person beating this drum, but Jordan Spieth is the best ball striker in the world right now. He's number 1 on the PGA Tour in strokes gained on approach shots, and it's really not even that close. There's only one golfer that's even close to him and that's Francesco Molinari. Francesco so, Molinari. <laughs> and so that's why that's why Spieth has a chance in these tournaments that you see him play. It's not cuz he's putting great. Yes, he's a good putter. But he's actually not been putting all that well this year, and yet he's still, you know, almost wins Colonial. 
is is in it late on uh, on Saturday and even a little bit on Sunday at the Memorial. And that's why I think he's going to play well again uh, this week at, at Aaron Hills. Well, of course, um, you know, as you're trying to put together your team, uh, whether you're doing fantasy golf or any any other sort of pool thing, you need to know that uh, finding the right talent is really, really important to winning. And you know what? It's it's a lot like in business. And sometimes fin- finding the best candidates for your business uh, is really tough, but you can... F- post your job on all the top job sites really, really easily, and you can do it with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology takes over. It efficiently matches the right people to your position. No more juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. And right now, the first-cut listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Try it for free today. ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. And you'll get all of the wonderful tools right there at your fingertips. Pretty soon, our own Kyle Porter will have his fingertips all over Aaron Hills. Oh, that sounded awful. Um, pretty, pretty soon you will be, uh, there at the course. You've already put in a lot of time studying this, um, where like as, as you're coming at this from, uh, the fans perspective, the golfers perspective, what are you anticipating to see from Aaron Hills this week? Um, as, as it takes on, you know, U S open debut, it had the U S amateur in 2011. Um, but for the most part compared to some of the traditional U S open tracks, it's a spring chicken. Yes, it is. It is a spring chicken. I mean, it's a, it's a really young course in general. You know, I, I think the USGA gets a lot of criticism for going to these new courses like Aaron Hills and and Chambers Bay. I'm fine with it. I, I think it's um, I think it's fun. You know, I think we talked about this a little bit either last week or a couple of weeks ago. I, I think it's I think it's good even like you you spread it out and you know you don't need to go to them every year. You don't need to go to a course that was created a year ago, but. Um, I'm, I'm okay with what they're doing. I, I think the course this week is going to be really interesting. You know what, Chip? I, I think it's going to produce a winner that is, that could be double digits under par. You know, that, that's going to be one of my kind of bold predictions or whatever I'm writing on Wednesday. Um, and, and Jordan Spieth said this on uh, Tuesday. He said the winning score could be 5 to, to 10 under par. And there are a couple of reasons for this. The first is that the, the course is playing par 72. It's going to be the first... U.S. Open course to play par 72 since Pebble in 92. Um, and then uh, the other thing is like uh, it is um, – I can't remember what – I can't remember what the other thing is, Chip. This is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> it is – Collecting uh, areas. Uh, oh, the, rough. The, uh, the, the fairways. The, the fairways okay. are – Wide fairways. Super wide. Yeah. And so – you see all these videos. You see Kevin Na dropping a ball in, in the fescue. You see Lee Westwood crawling like army style where you can't even see him. And that's fine, like whatever. But Rory said this on Tuesday. Like if you can't hit a 60-yard fairway, then what are you doing playing professional golf? You know? Rory's so good. And so I, I just don't think that the, those that fescue is going to come into play for the guys that are playing really well. And if, and if the wind doesn't blow, like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's kind of a Scottish-American hybrid. If the wind doesn't blow, like we see at St. Andrews or, or some of these courses that are used for the British Open, then you could see a 65, a 64, you know, something, something in that range. And if you see that from somebody who's a, 
a Spieth or a Day or a Rory or whoever, then all of a sudden 10 under par is in play. You know, and, and we haven't we haven't seen that low of a number since Rory did it at Congressional in 2011. Um, but oh, I, you I mean think, uh, two Rorys ago? <laughs> two, yeah. two Rorys ago. I remember that kid. He was he was wild. He blew everybody away. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, <laughs> so I I do think that uh, I think a really low score is is going to win it this week. All right, um, we're going to do a lot of props in the next episode along with our expert picks and predictions. But I'm going to go ahead and pluck this one then, since you just mentioned it. Uh, the bookmaker e dot eu has the lowest round at 66 over under um that's uh, tough with the rain i don't love it but since i already said 65 i would i would go under do you get do you get better odds if you go under or is it the same it's way? better odds for over right now it's juiced uh minus 120 slightly juiced uh to the under better yeah, odds I'll, on the over I'll, I'll go under yeah um and we've got it listen i've got uh lowest 18 hole score in the fourth round uh which i do think the fourth round might see the lowest score because right now according to the weather it's one of the only days that doesn't have a 50 percent chance of thunderstorms what does that mean for uh for this tournament and how you know you got you got to be able to uh you know let's let's see how many of the mental adages we can pull out you know you just got to take it one stroke at a time you got to stay in the <laughs> moment you got to you know but it's like the you know is there is there something to be said for being able to prepare yourself mentally or with your routine uh, in knowing that this might be a stop and start weekend and like those those get weird sometimes you catch good breaks sometimes you don't yeah I, I think you know mo- most of these guys you know there's 14 amateurs in the field and a lot of guys who are um, not PGA Tour players you know whether they qualify through sectionals or whatever but the guys that are pros I, I just don't. I don't think it affects them that I, I think it affects them less maybe mentally than it does change the course, you know, How so? whether it's well, whether it's slowing down the um, fairways or I mean, honestly, like the rain and the wind is going to affect the way the USGA sets up the, the course throughout the week. And so you, you don't know what you're necessarily going to get. And it might be playing a lot different. Uh, on Friday than it did in your practice round on Tuesday. So I think that is, I think it's more of a, a literally a, like the physical way the course is set up than it is affecting guys mentally. Are you uh, jumping on this sort of um, train uh, within the, the golf, the golf riding community that the USGA needs to prove something or needs a good, uh, like the the fact that the reputation of the USGA to me, I mean, on the outside, so like I'm I'm asking you to pull me in, but from the outside, the fact that the reputation of the USGA is somehow on the line seems a little like self serving, maybe, or almost like uh, a a headline that to me uh, maybe distracts some from like uh, what hopefully will be an awesome golf tournament. Yeah, that's an interesting notion. I, I think I would say no, but I do think that because it's a new course that you're going to see a lot more attention uh, paid to the USGA, and especially after what happened at Chambers Bay. Chambers Bay was – the course itself was whatever, but the greens, that was that was bad. Like that yeah. was not good, and it affected the tournament. And so uh, I think because you're kind of seeing Aaron Hills lumped in with Chambers Bay as these new modern you know USGA tournaments, um, that there is something on the line. And – you know, I don't know if you saw this yet, but on Tuesday they started mowing the fescue. 
you know, after after everybody was complaining, you know, Peter Peter Uline tweeted out a couple of pictures of areas that were not mowed on Sunday, were not mowed on Monday, but Tuesday they were mowed. And so I, I do think that the USGA cares about that stuff. And um, I, I think that, you know, I, I think they're not going to cater to the players, but I think Adam Scott was right a couple weeks ago and he said, you know, they, we don't mind a tough test. So let's just, let's just not make it silly. And yeah. I think the USGA probably, hopefully ultimately agrees with him. And isn't the RNA in the same bucket in terms of right now, kind of under fire? Uh, yeah, I mean a little bit, not as much as, as the USGA, the RNA had some issues. Uh, what was it? Two years ago at St. Andrews when, uh, they didn't stop play, even though the wind was blowing balls all over the green. Right. You know, you had uh, Brooks Kepka complaining about, uh, you know, a ball, uh, and, and rightfully so, a ball moving while he was addressed. I mean, just all kinds of mess like that. But it oscillated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't think the RNA is is quite as much in the uh, in the crosshairs of the players as much as the USGA is. I got you. All right. Well, make sure that you're following Kyle on Twitter if you're not already at Kyle Porter CBS. Uh, you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. He's going to be there at Aaron Hills all week. Everything you need to know. We've got some props, some expert picks, and some other predictions coming up on the other side. Kyle, talk soon. <laughs>